Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. On this episode of Margin Call, we're going to start by trying to solve a mystery, namely who or what killed rock and roll. This topic was prompted by a conversation I had with a friend's teenage son recently. Some of you know uh, this friend, Pete Sherman, Sandy Close's son. Uh, his son, Leon, is now a teenager. I sat next to him at dinner, and I did what you do when you sit next to a teenager. What are you into? What do you do? What do you like? Um, and he's a very cool kid. He's a, He likes to skate, and he likes rock music. So I was asking him about what bands he liked. He's like, oh, I really like... Uh, this is not what his voice sounds like, by the way. Oh, I really... <laughs> I, I really like, uh, you know, Green Day. And then he started talking about older stuff. Oh, you know, Led Zeppelin. Uh, and then I started to ask, and I was like, oh, what about like newer bands? Uh, and then I realized there are no new bands. Uh, you know, I, and you can, you only have to look at like, you know, streaming sites, billboard charts, any measure of popular music. There is not a single rock band anywhere. If you look at the streaming numbers, the number one, like, like actual rock band, uh, on Spotify and other sites, is Coldplay. Which, you know, I mean, first of all, terrible band. We can talk about that later. But <laughs> <laughs> second of all, or the, the, the poor man's Radiohead, I like to call them. You know, the, and if you look at charts, obviously it's dominated by, you know, pretty clearly two genres, pop and hip hop. Uh, and the ever-expanding gray area that is both of those things. And, and the, only, the other thing that actually kind of made me sad uh, for this kid, Leon... So I was like, well, fine. All right. There's no bands on the radio or whatever. But, you know, do you want to start a band? He said, yeah, of course. That's all I, I dream about starting a band. That's all I want to do. He said, nobody at my school plays an instrument and nobody's interested in being in a rock band. Um, and I don't think I mean, he said like, oh, yeah, we have like orchestra at school. So there are people who can like actually probably play, you know, the, the drums, for instance. Uh, and then, of course, I mentioned the movie School of Rock. And I was like, maybe you could get a School of Rock thing going. And then he said that movie was really fake. Kind of unrealistic way to start a band. But what a sad idea. You know, like a, a 13-year-old kid in San Francisco wants to start a rock band and, like, can't find another person. He's a cool kid. He's a popular kid. But let me introduce tonight's guests. Uh, we have with us, for the first time ever, ever, welcome, Presley Lewis. Thanks for being here. Uh, young yeah. musician and hopefully uh, an ongoing contributor to Queston. We also have Neela Banerjee, a.k.a. Bammer Seeds. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's very exciting. The reason <laughs> you're here is the reason that other people came. With us, as always, is our producer, Eming Piancai. And for the first time, Albert. Albert Felipe, welcome. Yeah. It's really nice to see your face. I won't use the metaphor that you used uh, earlier for your first episode, but I'll just say it's nice to have you here for your first time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad uh, to be here. Tonight will make you a man. How about that? Um, thank you. And thank you. last but not least, <laughs> of course, I hope you're not disappointed. Uh, last but not least, of course, Lawrence Billingsley, Paul Billingsley who has been relegated to uh, the mute room. I, I do want to start with you, Neela, just because it sounded like this topic resonated with you, or at the very least, you've been thinking a lot about music, specifically rock music, and why certain types of music resonate with people at certain ages. Uh, you said you've been doing some thinking and some writing about a Guns N' Roses concert you went to in eighth grade. Uh, That's right. So, um, so what is that about? Why are you revisiting this uh, eighth grade Guns N' Roses concert? 
I, I think about that Guns N' Roses concert uh, all the time. So it was in January of 1992 uh, in, in Dayton, Ohio, at the Irvin J. Nutter Center, which is a new arena. And um, it was during the Use Your Illusion tours. And so like about six months prior to that concert, Guns N' Roses, this was like at the, at the kind of end of their, the, the main part of their career when they they were all kind of traveling in their own jet. And so I think like six months earlier or the summer before, they had caused a riot in uh, an arena in St. Louis. I think Axel like dove into the audience and, and oh yeah, I remember fight. that. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. A huge riot, like the whole, and then people freaked out because then they had to get off the stage, and they they the audience supposedly tore the stadium apart. Like there was just like injuries and mat, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of destruction. Yeah, rock and roll. Rock and roll. And uh, <laughs> I think about this often. So by the time, you know, I was in eighth, the middle of my eighth grade year, they were coming to Dayton. For some reason, it was a really exciting moment because it was at this new arena. And I don't know, I feel like bands had come, but it was just an exciting moment. It was the summer after um, Terminator 2 came out. Yes. So it was like the soundtrack of my life. You could be years. mine. Yes, you could be Put mine. way out of mine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Cocaine tongue, I think, was one of the great <laughs> lines from that song. <laughs> but anyway, I one of the things I think about. So I was there was two two things that were really memorable. I remember being in like math class that day, and I was I was thinking about music and its relevance. By that time, most of my friends, all of us, were really listening mostly to quote unquote grunge music at this time. You know, we were listening, and I was mostly. <laughs> Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and also other things, but like it was just exciting that Guns N' Roses was there. Almost felt like a little bit of a throwback at that moment already. So I was like, I remember in math class being like, maybe there would be another riot and things. They, you know, there was all this news of the band behaving really badly on this tour, and yeah, so I think I crossed. Yeah, I was like, I was like, if I die tonight at this Guns N' Roses concert, that will be awesome. There's worse ways to go. <laughs> and I remember saying that so sincerely and then like, you know, whatever adults or like my math teacher being like, what's wrong with you? And then, and my brother was home from college and he took a bunch of my friends and I to the concert, Soundgarden Open, which seems really amazingly special now um, since Chris Cornell passed away last year. And so they came out, you know, the show was supposed to start at like eight o'clock and Soundgarden came on at like 9.30 p.m. And Guns N' Roses did not come on stage until I think 1 a.m. Um, yeah. <laughs> so everybody was waiting. We had to, there's no cell phone. So I had to keep going, calling my mom on the payphone and being like, oh, they're not on yet. And then when they finally did come out, Axel Rose, who grew a couple hours away from where I grew up, and his stepdad, who he had a really bad relationship with, lived, was from Dayton. And so he came out and he was just like, F. All of you. That's like, see, he's like three or four hours late. <laughs> F this town. F all you all. I hate this effing place so much. This is amazing. And then, you know, I played for a couple of songs. He did, uh, you know, the the Terminator 2 song. And, and then we left. And then it was a really icy January night. And we almost did die on the way home. And it felt like fitting. 
So I would just talk about this all because, you know, this this year in 2018, uh, Guns N' Roses released a remastered version of um, Appetite for Destruction, <clears throat> which was their big album that came out in 90, 1988. But I, I listened to it one day in a long drive also across L.A. And, and I, you know, I listened, I listened to... I think Appetite or whatever's on, I think they have a greatest hits on Spotify. And I was like, I, I mean, I think Welcome to the Jungle and certain songs will always just be this so integral to like my childhood because Welcome to the Jungle was the soundtrack to everything. But I was like, I don't know if if it holds up or has relevance anymore, really. I mean, it might not have relevance just because there, bands like that don't exist anymore and the kind of old like rock that we worship. Uh, is a very different style. I think those guys yeah. now, when you think about Guns N' Roses, they get confused a lot with, you know, uh, lesser bands like Journey or something. You just think about like hair metal from the lesser 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, is anybody trying to put Journey above Guns N' Roses? There I go. Now I'm alienating yeah. Journey fans. I'm going to have a Journey oh, fans. Yeah. fans. Go, go ahead, Albert. Journey is so much well, no, better. I was, I was up at that I was about to say that, yeah, maybe it's just like identifying like who Guns N' Roses were. And I think like, you know, I, I'm just coming from, you know, a day and age where, you know, my introduction to rock was mostly like Bon Jovi and like Def Leppard. And it was all these 80s hair yeah. bands. Right. So it's like, yeah. you know, as, as you know, growing up and listening to these bands, but mine, you know, the. It, it was it was just kind of like really identifying with who they were. But, you know, when you have Guns N' Roses, we're really taking like rock and roll to another level. Right. So I remember like when I would listen to like, you know, Journey or Def Leppard. But then when I listened to like Guns N' Roses and then I listened to like um, uh, 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 Metallica uh, and then all of a sudden into Megadeth, all of a sudden, you know, there was this transition of rock and roll where all of a sudden it was just like, no, like rock and roll was now defined, was defining itself as like, oh, now. Guns N' Roses is not the hair band, right? Because they didn't want to be the hair band of the yeah. Guns N' Roses was like, no, it be something totally different. And I think like that's where you look at it now. I'm wondering if like this generation just identifies Guns N' Roses as being kind of like a band rather than just like pure evolution of rock and roll. Well, I mean, I'll say this. Axl Rose played a grand piano in Snakeskin Pants. I don't know if anybody else has ever done that before. That that's like a pinnacle of art. <laughs> that oh, will not oh, be yeah, I, that back. Yeah. I mean the only thing it, I, I here's what I think could save Guns N' Roses. Uh because here's what saved Nirvana. Just Urban Outfitters just needs to sell some appetite for destruction t shirts. Oh my god. They already do. And Pretty then people do. will be Pretty like, Yeah, but that yeah. No, people but you say, see, oh, that's I what I'm saying. I think like they've already yeah. they've already been doing this so long and i'm sure like you know you can easily identify just that logo and that symbol just because guns and roses but you know what your thing on um on appetite of district for destruction but you know november rain was also that peak that i kind of like swayed their bad boy image a little bit because i think november rain was also kind of like that song that transitioned them into kind of like going back to this hair band and they were like nah we ain't doing this but uh, you know I think that just their image and their style is just something that just was so profound that I think like they just maintained to be the ideal band during the nineties. And I don't know, I don't know anybody after that, you know, a grunge I think is also that other evolution, but I, you know, right. In a way I think, I mean like the, the all those bands Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and that yeah. strain 
took, you know, what it, it went into that. But then what is who who are the inheritors of that Coldplay? Yeah. We're, we're skipping over a couple a couple iterations here. And I think there's one really important one, which is the early 2000s. N- Neela, you might remember this. Uh, because I, I wrote a piece in the early 2000s that was in our magazine, Yo, uh, called Rock and Roll is the New Hip Hop. Uh, because the real energy in music and creativity at that time uh, was from bands like The Strokes uh, and The White Stripes, even like whatever, The Hives, Voices. The Vines. Yeah, the there was like a, yeah, The Killers. There was a real rebirth in rock and garage rock. Um, and that became the music of the counterculture. I mean, that Strokes album, the, Is This It, was slated to be released on uh, September 11th, 2001, you know, right? Like that was kind of a marker of that era. And, you know, for a time, at least at, at that time, hip hop had crossed so far over into popular music that we needed something else to be, you know, like a, a music of subversion. And I think rock in that era really kind of filled that space. But that's gone now. You know, there, there hasn't really been anything to fit that. I mean, I only say that to kind of bridge the gap between what right. you're saying, you know, between. But I mean, that's when Coldplay came out, right? Coldplay yeah. is just the one that like. That's true. I blame Zach Braff for the popularity of Coldplay. Oh, yeah. All those songs <laughs> on the Garden State soundtrack. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Garden State. <laughs> yeah. well, I do actually. Everything Presley, that I, came after the whole uh, after the whole grunge scene, then came the garage rock scene, and then from there it stemmed into more indie rock shit like Arcade Fire, Arctic Monkeys, who took a lot of heavy influence from the Strokes, Oasis, yeah. and stuff like that. So, but okay, so under the connotation of rock being dead or not, it depends what you define as rock, whether it's a mindset <laughs> or the the genre, because the mindset's still around, even if you have it from people like. Uh, even modern rappers, they, they dress like rock stars now with all the tattoos and the, the skinny clothes and everything. You have Post Malone jumping off of venues. So the mentality definitely is still around. But as for whether or not the sound is dead, it depends on what genre you meet. Because you can, some people consider, if I ask my grandpa what rock and roll is, he'll, he'll say shit like The Drifters, Dion and the Belmonts, uh, yeah. and stuff like that. And if you ask, if I ask my dad, he'll say Def Leppard, uh, Tears for Fears, Prince. It depends. So for me personally, I don't think it's dead. A genre can't die because people are always going to take influence from it, no matter what. Even even today in hip hop, you have that dumbass Six Nine, but he's taking influence from metal. And that that one guy, uh, XXX Tentacion, he took a lot of influence from Three Days Grace and music like that. So under that, I don't think it'll die. As of now, uh, it's definitely not the most apparent genre. It's definitely taken a bit of a back burner. You know, there's no yeah. Really I mean, I I agree. I agree. I think you make a lot of great points. I mean, even you mentioned Post Malone. He he has a part of his stage show where he pulls out an acoustic guitar with rhinestones on it. And mashes plays, it. Yeah. And, and he plays, yeah. um, you know, like songs from Nirvana Unplugged. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, and, you know, everything about the tattoo and the style and the attitude certainly still there. But like, here's my question. Are 20,000 people going packing into an arena to see like people on stage play one playing the drums two playing guitars and one playing oh, bass Oh my god to this day are still the top of rock and roll 
Like, well, yeah, but that's also album. an old band, though, right? Arctic Monkeys have been around. No, they're from like 2009. I don't know, man. They're, they're mean, still relatively even, even, even uh, AM. Well, even AM. AM came out, and it, even though their first album, their first album ever took records, it was the best selling album in all of uh, England, I believe. And to this day, they're still putting out music and still the top. Their newest album. It had more of a David Bowie feel to in uh, commemoration of him and his passing. But yeah, dude, like they're still a modern band. You have people like The Neighborhood, the 1975. It's a, like yeah. if you're talking about rock and roll, then they're taking 80s rock and roll and fusing it with R&B indie, well, but still pretty rock well, and can roll. I ask, Go can ahead, I ask Albert. this question? Because, you know, I'm going to be naive in, in this realm because here's the thing. When, when I'm thinking about now what rock and roll is now, um, and knowing how hip hop and uh, a lot of pop has been captured by, you know, the new generation and the new um, wave of, of music listeners, how do people access their rock and roll nowadays? Because, you know, again, I'm, I'm coming from the old school of just promotion, oh, you know, yeah. handed the thing. So it's like, I'm also looking at, well, who's listening, right? So who is actually listening to rock and roll and where are they getting their music from, right? Um, it's so I'm, 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 you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's yeah, all I mean, streaming. Presley, I think Spotify. you're uniquely suited. I just want to make sure that we uh, include this. You know, you're a musician. No, you're in a rock band. Talk, you know, yeah, talk yeah. about that experience. How do people get your music and what does it feel like to be right. an actual well, rock musician in this environment? Okay, so I was in a rock band actually recently disbanded. <laughs> unfortunately, I'll get into that. But uh, That's so rock and roll. We were, yeah, we were, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm fucking going solo living the dream. No. Um, so we started off with an idea. We heard some bands were like, oh, we could do that, but probably better. Or we could do that with, with a different touch or a different twist. And I've always been pretty business savvy in the, in the way of how I market myself and how I articulate myself. So I was kind of the leader of the band. I told everyone like what to, how to dress, like, you know, the aesthetic of the group. We went for a 50s vibe mixed with some 80s. Because that and, motherfucker uh, looked like Johnny Depp. So he, he got the He got plans. He does look like Johnny Depp. That look. Oh, yes. Paul, yeah. when you chime in, you chime in with gold. It's true. <laughs> the, look is, the look is working, Preston. We're all fans. I appreciate it. No, so, yeah, we took a lot of influence. I personally took a lot of influence from Michael Jackson, Prince, Tears for Fears, a lot of 50s bands, too, because for me, that's where I get most of my inspiration. That's where uh, a lot of those singers were experimenting with their voice most. Everyone didn't sound exactly the same. So we, we took that sound, took that look. We rolled with it. I wrote all the lyrics, all the melodies. My guitarist uh, wrote all the music. However, there there comes a point where, especially in a band, where you start to sound like a cover band if you're too influenced by certain sounds. For him, right. it was bands like The Neighborhood, Arctic Monkeys, another smaller band, Blossoms, uh, who were doing this indie rock thing with an edgier look. Right. And and more psychedelic tones. What about cool. just to to Albert's question? Uh, yeah, how up? is is it is it hard for you to find an audience? How are you reaching people? But what yeah. is it like to be, you know, an, an independent artist just trying to reach 
listeners who like your Dude, style. I learned when you're doing it by yourself, it is so fucking hard because everything mm-hmm. is on you and how hard you push it. So for me, when we released our single night drives, I pushed that shit like minutely. I was sharing it with everyone, joining different social media sites, marketing all that by myself. And doing that, we had 10,000 plays in a week, which is really fucking good for me anyway. That's a lot. We had no no core audience, no prior anything. We only had our looks our aesthetic and our our music to vouch for us and personally, which is a lot yeah yeah so i was really proud of what we were doing um so but oh man especially getting it on spotify itunes and everything the easiest way like the the genuinely get out way of doing that is hiring someone like TuneCore or someone like that who will distribute it for you you pay like 75 bucks mm-hmm. a month put your music everywhere they get a small commission but you still make good money if it's you know getting what are, and what thing. service do they do they provide they get it placed on spotify and itunes what do they yeah, do they, they put it they put it themselves on spotify on itunes on uh pandora pretty much any music streaming site you can think of including youtube and uh shit like that it will be on there so that's the easiest way you can do it the other way is by doing it yourself, but then you have to contact the companies yourself. And if you're not reputable and, and you don't know shit like me, then you're going to be seen as unprofessional and they're not going to give you the time of day. Right. So we were that that's the route we were going, but then we uh, disbanded. <laughs> Had a big fallout like a good old rock band does. Nice. Did anybody that choke old- on their own vomit? <laughs> No, but there was there was a physical fight. Nice. Behind the music. Look at that. That's yeah, how it's that's how it's done. Dude, that was that was one of the things too, because it's like you should learn from your idols and everything. Uh I had one of my one of my uh musicians, I told him like no drugs, no drinking, like that's what fucks these bands up. That's that's how they break up and lose all the greatness that they had. And he didn't listen. He lied a lot. It got violent. And then that was it. This is, I want to do a whole episode that's just the behind the music of this band. <laughs> the more the more I learn, the more I'm like, Rock, it's not dead at all. Rock has not been killed. And this story proves it. <laughs> I want to know what was written before or after that incident. No, it was every, this is after the EP was done. It was, uh. Pretty much it. The thing is, there's a lot of jealousy. There's a lot of jealousy in bands, man. Especially when one member is getting all the credit. I have a pretty distinct voice, and my lyrics, I think, I write pretty well. A lot of emotion. A lot of. I don't try to sugarcoat shit. I don't try to be super metaphorical. You know, I let people make their own decisions. But, you know, so. For me, I was writing all the lyrics, the singing, that was all me, and that's all anyone spoke about. So there was a lot of jealousy. I wasn't allowed to really sing to the best of my ability just because they didn't want me getting all the attention. So after like a while and after all the lying and all that shit, I was like, fuck it, I don't need this. I'm better off by myself. So that's where I am right now. Yeah, go solo. Judging on your photo, I think you'll be good. You're you're obviously the, the Diana Ross of these of these Supremes. Or the 
You're the Beyonce of this Destiny's Child. All right, you guys. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah, I wanted to ask one more. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I forgot who made that. I think it was Russell made that. But you know, it, also thinking about um, rock in in a sense of um, uh, people who play instruments. So, you know, arts education and everything in schools we've known for the past, you know. 10,000 years has been like on a decline um, because it's always seems to be like never enough, right, for education schools. But I'm also um, kind of like part of the, 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 the people that really like look at the artistry of people who really take their instruments and really treat them as like, you know, they're, they're, they're holy grail. So, you know, I was coming from yeah. the era of Prince and everybody. So I'm wondering like, you know, um, you know, uh, are we seeing a decline of, of, you know, with technology and digital and the digital age really replacing a lot of these instruments, are we seeing kind of like a decline of, you know, um, just the artistry of people just picking up instruments and learning, you know? Absolutely. I actually, I have a relevant point, and I, sorry, I'll, I'll let you go. No, go this is very brief. Yeah. Uh, but most people here know Tom Trapel. Uh, Tom mm-hmm. Trapel couldn't be here tonight, but he's a very good person to ask about these kind of things because he loves rock and roll and he's very enthusiastic. So I, we talked, we spoke on the phone and he gave me a great quote about this very thing, which, you know, first he said, dude, there are actually a lot of good bands out there that are still making really good music. (laughs) And then, but he also acknowledged that there, you know, aren't, uh, they're they're not selling a lot of records. They're not prominent. You know, it's not like a very, it's not not a dominant genre. And what he said, which is a delightful turn of phrase, I want to make sure Tom gets his credit to your point, Albert, was he's like, yeah, man, people are on their laptops. Like you can make music on a laptop. And he said, he said, kids don't want to, like they'd rather like make music on GarageBand. They don't want to start a garage band, which was, yeah. you know, Tom's Tom's pull quote from that. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think that's true. Like, re- honestly, if I yeah, were yeah. 13 years old, I, I'm carrying around in my pocket something that can make every sound I want to make. Like, why would I need to go out and learn, you know, how to play a guitar? Yeah, Although Post, Post Malone, Post Malone yeah. has said that he learned how to play guitar uh, by playing there, Guitar Hero. Yeah. Yeah, guitar. So, so we don't need arts in schools. We just need video games. Get rid of the arts fundings. Just get me an Xbox. What were you going to say, Presley? Dude, genuinely getting right off. It's so relevant. My entire EP was made on a fucking iPhone. Look at that. That's the, yeah, the entire EP. We started off just, he doesn't, my guitarist only plays guitar. He didn't know anything else. So he would spend hours and hours learning about all the instruments he could utilize, how to do what. And he would, the entire EP was made on an iPhone 4. And then we took it to a professional studio where, where the, our producer uh, touched everything up and did it all through there. But everything was made and it sounded good. Like we have demos and everything that sounded much better than you would think it would. So is the only live the only band. live instrumentation that you had was a guitar player who was playing guitar. It just happened to be recorded I mean, yeah, on yeah. an iPhone. So there were all your drums were like pre-recorded, you know, completely from the iPhone. MIDI drums from the iPhone. I guess MIDI yeah, doesn't exist exactly. anymore, but iPhone. I mean, we went iPhone back. Drums. Uh, yeah, we went back to the yeah. studio and uh, had some put in, but at the time of the demos and everything, yeah, everything was iPhone. All the bass all the synths, all the background noise. We use a lot of uh, unorthodox things too. Like we use a lot of shakers and maracas and stuff like that mm-hmm. to add to the psychedelia. 
and all that was just through the iPhone alone. But um, that's that's interesting. That's interesting to me because I think like you know um, especially you know um, trying to understand of what like rock bands are formed from, you know, and 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 again, I'm thinking of all these older bands and these bands. You know, uh, one thing, one common strain is that they all had these unique talents. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, you had Axel, but then you had Slash, and then you, you know, you had um, a different combination within these bands. And I'm sure when you're performing together, you know, there has to be kind of like this humanistic essence of just this camaraderie that, that you know, is forming there, regardless if personalities are different, but that had to help with the gelling. Now, why I'm saying that is because if I'm thinking about making music digitally i mean there's there's an element of isolation there in some sort of way where i don't think you get to you know kind of like share that experience with a band if you're not you know all kind of like on that same level or have the same or have some different level of skill set so i don't know i i just think it's interesting to just know you know does does technology really contribute to kind of like this idea of the death of rock and roll. And that's just what brings in the question in my head, you know? Yeah, I mean, my question yeah. for you, Presley, would be, I'm, I'm sure that the music sounds great, but uh, what happens when you guys play a gig? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you just put oh, a mic we, on, yeah, on the we, iPhone? We had... <laughs> <laughs> just no, no, put no, it on no. a we stool? Would, we... <laughs> the, the whole point of the demo is just to get uh, uh, our sound out and figure out what we wanted. Obviously, when we played live, we would have other people with us and they would uh play what we played but back to the uh the question of i mean yeah i guess but i honestly today people just don't give a shit enough about these guitar solos about anything like that they want to hear good vocals they want to hear a heavy bass and good beats they don't they don't care about a solo really that's why that that contributes to the whole rock and roll thing but I mean, like I said, today's rock and roll, it went from uh, hair metal and 80s rock to grunge to post-hardcore punk, indie, and now today's rock and roll is hip-hop. It is the SoundCloud rap shit, as sad as it is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good music in there if you unpack it. And like you said, there is like sonic resonance. It's obvious, you know, like I think Trippy Red like listed his top five favorite artists. Oh, yeah. These these guys were brought up with rock and roll grunge and they they wear it in their aesthetics. They wear it in their music, but they they do have that whole trap fusion with it. So even especially X, X was he had a lot of metal and and a lot of screaming in his music. Yeah. And that that picks heavy from Slayer and Cannibal Corpse and bands like that too. Yeah. So rock and roll can never really die because it is the foundation of music. Every, all music pretty much stems right now from rock and roll. Well said. So it will always be there, but it will never I don't think at least for until something new or exciting happens where someone wants to experiment where it'll it'll come back to the mainstream all right um presley before we uh wrap it up let people know where they can hear your music uh what's the name of your band what songs you got what what platforms so the name of the band is the avant-garde you can find it on soundcloud uh that's pretty much it because that's all the rights i have to it unfortunately (laughs) so however i will be 
I will be going to New York soon to record new music. It will be a lot different, more R&B based, so I can do more vocally. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at underscore the Aristocat. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me, man. I'm just working on music. I do some modeling sometimes and uh, getting tatted up. That's that's my life right now. Nice. <laughs> hey, before we go, I do want to come back to you, Neela, just because my response and to try and bring us full circle, like, is that what kids are thinking when they go to a little pump show? Are they like, hey, man. Oh, absolutely. This little, this little pump um, show might get out of hand and I might die, but I'm cool with that. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily... I was yeah. just thinking about that when, when, what, what we were saying. Like, I mean, Beyonce is headlining Coachella. Nobody thinks they're going to die at a Beyonce <laughs> show unless they like die of bliss. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> you go back, you know, whatever, 10, 15, 20, you know, to the beginning of Coachella. Like, even now they would try to have rock bands there, but she's just, you know, especially the, the performance last year which was about, you know, all things black excellence. It, I, it's like, is that, that to me more than any of this stuff is like a death knell for, for, for rock and roll. If a live show, like the, the level of perform, it's just a completely different vibe um, than that, that those feelings that I felt at that show, that Guns N' Roses show where, you know, there was, the, and I, I mean, I thought a lot about that, that, it's I, you know, I ended up when I wrote about that show, I ended up writing about it in, in a way that, like, you know, I mean, I it was 1992, I was in eighth grade, and I was I I was very pleased that that Axl Rose came out and just you know behaved so badly because that that was rock and roll to me. That was this amazing the the power of you know being this this rock and roll musician who tore up arenas and also came out and said whatever he wanted. And I I just think part of it's interesting to think about like the what's behind what's behind that stuff. I mean, I think what what Presley was saying is true. Like all of these these rappers and X and all of these people, they're representing some of that same angst in in their music. Yeah. And That's years. right. Like, it's also, see a lot of kids, especially now, a lot of younger kids who who really resonated with X's message. They 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 have that whole emo vibe to them too. That whole grunge look. The whole black and red and blood and shit like that um True. you won't you definitely don't have to worry about a mosh pit at a beyonce show but right. definitely i would say at a, like a scar lord show post malone uzi they have some crowd killing mosh pits and everything so the mentality is definitely still alive even like i said post malone he uh he's definitely keeping the mentality alive with the crowd diving and he he smashes a guitar every single night so, I mean, there, yeah, musically, sonically, uh, it's definitely taken a, a back burner. But the mentality is still alive and going. Nice. I you know, have... um, based on our conversation, I was just about to say that, you know what, um, you just gave me a great idea. And Presley, hopefully you could run with this. You can have it with all the uh, blessings. Guitar Hero VR. I think we will go ahead and we'll accomplish so much. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and that 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 franchise has taken a back burner too. But that VR thing that might put it into a new light because then you could be at a show. You know, that's you right. Thousands of you people. Can, you can spearhead this thing, and we'll have like you know, like Neela's flashbacks moments relived and all this. Shit. <laughs> I was like, what about? Can't we just? What about Auto Tune Hero, where it just comes with a mic oh, and makes your yeah. voice sound like a oh, robot God. voice? 
and they they, they just put, put like a little you know Gucci gang Gucci gang Gucci gang you could just yeah. like say it along with it. Oh god, <laughs> I'm just like fucking well, thing seventy five times. 20, Twenty years from now, you'll be a huge star. You'll be like, I learned everything I know about auto tune music on auto tune hero singing little pump songs, <laughs> and now they're that selling that shirts and Urban Outfitters. Man, that kid's seventeen, <laughs> and he's got he's got so much fucking clout honestly but he's oh god i hate him <laughs> i can't stand that guy <laughs> he's the worst of them in my opinion it's uh, a race to the bottom yeah. and and I, he may have won uh, i mean honestly all right. soundcloud's going down so whatever we do have to wrap it up but i do want to end with one uh recent experience i had that i think kind of ties this together a little bit and, and is a little bit of a, a bookend to Neela's story. Uh, I, I worked on a reported piece last year. It's actually on the Quest on site right now about uh, rappers and Xanax and how rappers started taking Xanax and why they stopped taking Xanax because they all, I mean, this was earlier in the year. Um, so, but I had to go to a show if I was going to report on it. I'd be like, well, what is right. this scene all about? So I went to a Lil Xan show. Which was oh, appropriate. You know, he, he named himself after the drug, so I was like, well, he "Doesn't do it anymore." This... Apparently, <laughs> he doesn't. It, and that's when, when I went to the show, it was like right after he's like, "I'm not taking Xanax anymore," and he was talking about changing his name. Uh, but then when he came out on stage, the first thing he was saying was "Xanarchy, Xanarchy," and everybody, you yeah, know, he calls his crowd. fans the Xanarchy, even though so, he doesn't take Xanax. You know, I, I he doesn't at... take Xanax, but he'll do shit like lean and and all this other. <laughs> shit so it's like what what's the thing different i don't judge as long as he comes out on the other side he'll be fine uh but what's what's memorable about it and you know the position i was put in is this you know it's the highland ballroom it was packed uh with teenagers you know like legitimately most of them were like 15 16 17 18 and lil xan was on stage and this is a new thing you know i haven't been to i've been to a hip-hop show but like old old guy stuff you know like i see like ghostface in concert i haven't seen like a new hip-hop act in a long time and there's there's a new thing that these auto-tune guys do which is they don't really sing along to their songs on stage. They just like play the song through the speakers, right? Oh, with their vocals on it. So, oh my God. And they just kind of like jump around and then like they're their own hype man where they'll like say yeah. a couple of the words from the thing, but like not really. And then they'll like splash a bunch of water bottles out there. Um, <laughs> and then, but kids were going crazy, man. Like, you know, literally girls throwing their bras on stage, underwear on stage, people jumping on stage, getting pushed off. You know, Zan went into the crowd and people floated him around yeah uh, like the energy in there was really electric and I, I was standing back there saying like they're not even singing the song he's just playing the yeah. song from yeah. his ipod no. and i thought yeah. you know what this must be what it what it was like you know like in the early 80s or late 70s like go to a punk show and be like a real like classic golden age rock and roll fan and be like look at these punk guys they don't even know how to play their guitars what <laughs> there's only two chords in this song you know what i mean it, there was like a real cultural disconnect where i was like not appreciating i was like this energy is palpable like these kids are losing their minds for this act everybody in that room if they had died that night would have said as neela said fair enough put it on my tombstone <laughs> died at a little zan show <laughs> you know r.i.p x um, so I think that perspectivizes it. I'm definitely not grouchy about new music. I don't think any of us are either. It's just interesting to kind of watch these trends. Uh, so I want to thank everybody for being here. Albert, Amelia, sorry we had to shut you down, Amelia. We love you. We're glad you were here. Eman, thanks for holding it down and organizing everything. Neela, it's so nice to see you. Yay. Paul, Paul, when you chimed in, you really chimed in. 
uh, and Presley. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Those were valuable words. I appreciate you guys. Uh, and Presley, this was great. You really, I, I learned a lot tonight just about the industry. Uh, and best of luck to you and your band. Hopefully yeah, we'll have here. you back on the show real soon. Thank Thanks. Thanks for making time. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, Quest On. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.